<laughs> hey, we're back. Another quarantine episode. I may call these the quarantine, the quarantine sodes. I don't know if that's a real word, but the quarantine eps. There you go. Welcome back to the Patrick Podcast. Patrick Chappelle here. So glad you're back with us. Here we are, still inside. Hopefully you're being safe and practicing social distancing and all of that goodness. But we have another episode for you. And this one actually speaks directly to the situation that we're all in right now. And we bring back our very first guest on the Patrick Podcast, Wes Hartline is back in the building, or maybe not in the building. He's back on the show. There you go. Wes Hartline is back. We're catch up with Wes. He was our very first guest on the Patrick Podcast. And guess what, people? It's our anniversary. Patrick Podcast has been around Woo! for a year. Some, yeah. Somehow. <laughs> somehow this thing has made it a year. What in the world? I can't believe it. So, what an amazing, an amazing and appropriate time to have the very first guest back on. So, we're back with Wes. We talk about COVID nineteen. We talk about life. We get a catch up on his life. He does the speed round that has become a favorite of some of you out there. And so, yeah, we get a good, nice little catch up with Wes. I'm excited for you to hear it. It's going to be great. And seriously, y'all, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful year. I cannot wait. We are literally just getting started. It is going. The next step is like world domination, I guess. <laughs> That's what happens after you do a year of a podcast. <laughs> No, maybe the next thing is like a Patreon page and sponsors and T-shirts and stickers. Then a, we'll go on tour. It'll be all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> Patrick and then you write po- a book. And then I write a book. That's what I got to yeah. do. I got to write a book. Who would read that book? I don't know. My mom would. I only, I can, I'm only guaranteed two readers. My mom. I'll, I'll read it. And Ben. <laughs> yeah. I don't read books, but I'll read that. Yeah. Would it would it be odd if I didn't do a uh, audio book as a part of the book <laughs> release? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and we actually just didn't have the budget for the audio book. Didn't have the budget. Somehow we couldn't have figured we couldn't figure that part out. But here's a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has gone on way too long. Ben, how's it going? It's going well, man. Anything to share? Any updates in your life? Um, I think we can cool it with the live streams where you aren't doing anything. What do you mean? I feel like now that we're you know a month plus into this quarantine thing, just just live streaming yourself bored isn't isn't shouldn't be an option anymore. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. Have so, something to do on your live stream. If, if you're going to live stream, have a purpose. Yeah. Like write down some notes. You know, and ask me something isn't a isn't a purpose. 
Uh, no more Q&As. Oh, but Q&As are fun. Come on. No, just text somebody. <laughs> just text somebody. Just text someone randomly and say, I don't need to hey, be getting a notification about somebody going live, and then it turns out they're just talking to Debbie and just <laughs> doing a Q&A. But what if the Q&A is like uh, really interesting? I don't know. The only person I will allow Q&A for is Chris Martin. Is he doing a Q&A? Oh, I don't know, but I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a that's an that's an interesting hot take. I'm I'm fine with it. Uh yeah. I mean, I think that we are figuring out technology that we have always had, but now we're starting to explore all of its limits and capabilities. So I was actually thinking about it. This is kind of like weirdly the first time that we really depend on this technology, right? For entertainment, right? Like for, before, it was our entertainment, but right. now we like kind of depend on it, right? Yeah, because here's the deal: we we have had the ability to FaceTime for a long time, right? We have had the ability to conference call on our computers for a long time. Now we're just actually using it. So yeah, I think we're learning a lot. But anyway, okay, enough of us. Hey, seriously, this is a time. Be, uh, we talk about this, I think, some in the episode, but just be gracious with yourself. Take care of yourself. Check up on your people, uh, especially like guys. I'm speaking to my fellas out there. Call your bros. If you're not calling your bros, call your bros. Our female friends, they do a fantastic job typically at doing this sometimes us bros we struggle with this so call your bros facetime your bros it's good it's good to keep in contact with each other during this isolation time okay all right everybody thanks for listening and here is wes and i on the patrick podcast peace Okay, Wes Hartline, what is up? Man, not too much. We're it's, back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back back on the pod. Uh, Can't believe uh, it. Third appearance, not too shabby. Oh, yeah, so. that's right. You are now the a frequent guest of the Patrick Podcast. It's official. I should get like a, should get like a merit badge or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, we could work on that. We could work on a, a merit badge. For uh, is but is three the number though? Is three? No. Do I need to? Is it like what's what's SNL's? Uh, what's the coat that they give? Like you have to. Oh, have I don't know about seven? that. Is it seven times or something? Oh like my that? gosh! I think if you host SNL seven times, you might as well be a member. Right, so. that's what I'm saying. Like it's if they have a whole bit. Like there's like the the seven coat club or something like that. Uh, I can't. I wish I could remember. I wish I could remember what the um, what the what the cast or what number it was, but anyway, we'll look it up later. Yeah. So we're back here at West Heartline now. For those of you who are listening, this this is a special episode in a lot of ways because Wes 
was our very first guest on the Patrick Podcast. And we are celebrating one year, people. We did it. <laughs> we made it. We, we made, made it. it. <laughs> so, yeah, this. So, April 1st, 2019 was the very first Patrick Podcast episode, and Wes Hartline was the guest. So, I thought what would be a, a great opportunity to check in on our first guest to see what has been happening in life. And I think there's some things happening that are a little bit different than April 1st, 2019. But uh, yeah. I mean, things are basically the same for everyone (laughs) on planet Earth. Oh my goodness. It's so, it's so, we were talking before we kind of officially jumped into this thing, how if, if you were to guess, if I would have told you that this is what life was going to be like, in in April in 2020 in 2019, you would have thought I was just flat out silly. But here we are. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how how quickly the rhythm of life when it changes, it uh, really throws everybody off kilter. I mean, everyone I know is is walking through and dealing with uh, the. The COVID nineteen uh, pandemic in in really really different ways, um, and so yeah. If Patrick and I were talking a moment ago before we started, like you said, and you know, it was if if I could if I had told you in April of 19, 2019, that uh, uh, the entire world would basically be shut down in a global pandemic, you would have thought, well, that sounds ridiculous. And if we had said, oh, you, know, you won't believe that that Kobe Bryant will have passed away tragically, we would have said that doesn't make sense, right? Uh, both those things are true, and it's a it's a very very strange time. That's it's the the phrase I keep using as I talk with friends and family and and folks I've known for years who are now have the time to check in and 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 see how people are doing. Uh, it's just it's a strange time. Everybody everybody feels very very weird right now. Yeah, and and if anything, you know, it's this is and I might be wrong about this, but I'm trying to think of something. That has truly, a, like, truly had a, a a big, you know, effect on 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 a lot of people, on like everyone, like no one, because even with the the large kind of life changing and culture changing event that nine eleven was for our for our country, it, I feel like this is it's like a it's taken a notch up a little bit, just the fact that. In, in us, but it's so different, right? It's still yeah. very different than that. But it's like it's no longer is like, oh man, like this is something that happened in a city that I care about, and uh, and all these people died, and this is the first kind of time you've had such a uh, uh, or in a long time a major attack on our soul. So that's there's some safety issues, there's some uncertainty, there's like what do we do next? How do we retaliate? Kind of thing, and there's all of that happening. But this thing, it's like it's no matter no how big your city, how large or small your city, no matter if you're working in the healthcare profession or the service industry, you are, you are dealing in a new kind of suffering. Like you can't escape it. You can't escape it. I I guess. 
Yeah, so uh, that's uh, we may not be to the hot takes portion of the podcast, but <laughs> I, I think that it's interesting. People are making that comparison that you just made nine yeah, eleven to, right. to this, and and it's interesting to me because I am a nerd, and so I've been thinking a lot about um, and and reading a lot about sort of what are what are the things that changed for for people after nine eleven, and like the most obvious one that people think about, which is probably a, a, a discredit to like the wars that we fought around 9-11. Oh, but absolutely. Just, just thinking about going through an airport and going through TSA checks and shoes and laptops and you can't take more than so many ounces or blah, like whatever it is, right? right. Those, those are things that have, that have persisted in the years, decades since 9-11. In the same way, I read a really interesting thing that said uh, that basically the news ticker at the bottom of the TV, like if you're watching sports or if you're watching like you know cnbc or cnn or fox news or whatever that was basically born in the 9-11 moment oh, where you wow. could get updated news while somebody was talking you know the talking head on yeah, the screen but you could right. get and i i'd totally forgotten about that and that has persisted right so so there are things about what happened uh you know 19 ish years ago that have persisted changes to our life and um it's a very interesting question to think about sort of where we are today and how our life has changed collectively in the last three, four, five weeks in America and then around the world. And we have so little ability to predict what is gonna what it's gonna look like in 20 years just based on this. It sounds kind of crazy to think that. Well and it's it's one of the it's one of the first times in maybe since I can remember that you don't know when the end is sure. When, yeah. when's the end? We don't, we don't know when the end of this, whatever this is, is we don't know what the end looks like when it's going to be. There's no date you can put to it. Sure. Yeah. The attack of nine 11 was like over the span of two or three hours. Right. And right. Then it was over. And we had, we had this, you know, 20 year still ongoing right. sort of recovery right. from it. Right. Um, I mean, I think another, another good example I, I, I heard people mention was the 2008 sort of market crash Oh yeah. and how it resulted in a lot of unemployment and things like that, you know, bad mortgages and so on. But there was a little bit more of a ramp up there mm-hmm. where you could see it sort of coming for months and months and, um, uh, you know, the market was responding and then people were losing their jobs and the financial markets got really tight and then investment banks were closing. And that's when people really started getting concerned in this case. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. I care a lot about golf and I, uh, there was a tournament <laughs> happening the week of sort of the lockdowns beginning in America. And on a Tuesday night in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, the chain smokers who just are terrible, that they are a thing. <laughs> put on a put on a concert at this at this golf course. Oh my with goodness! Like thousands of people, you know, moshing around and doing whatever you do at a chain smoker show. Right. And then by and then by Thursday evening of that same week, so two full days later, tournament canceled. The day before, the NBA had canceled the rest of uh, its games that night and swiftly canceled the rest of its regular season. I mean, it was things happened so quickly that I think everybody was a little bit like almost like you got punched in the nose oh, yeah. and you're just kind of like, wait, what's going on right now? So uh, because of that, it's like you said, it's, you know, we don't know when it's going to end We're it's a, it's a strange situation to be like mentally present during the entire thing. It's yeah. not like, 
it's not like with 911 right. you know everybody was sat glued to their TVs for a few days and yeah people weren't flying on planes for a few days but, right. but life pretty much got back to normal yeah. relatively quickly i do not have any clue what that's going to look like here well i mean and so yeah because even even in that particular you know example you were still able to go to the movies. You were still able to go out and eat. You, the sports didn't come to a screeching halt. You know, mm-hmm. like there was still some normal normalcy of life that was happening, even in the like after the right after the aftermath of nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And not that it was any, and it's for sure very serious. And we're still. Kind of like you said, like we're still kind of feeling kind of the wave of that particular moment, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that's it's still a groundbreaking moment and still a thing that will, will be on the forefront of people's minds forever. And I think that this thing is, is going to ramp it up even more because I think that like everything from the way we work, from the way we deal with social interactions, it's all going to look so differently on the other side of this COVID-19 experience. Okay. So before we, we, we can talk more about that later. I just want to, this kind of <laughs> catch us up, like give us a check-in. Like what, what have you been up to? What have you been creating, working on moving towards what's been happening in the life of West Heartline? So let's see. So I, uh, I'm now the father of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Uh, they're both little wonderful girls. And, uh, we're getting to enjoy a lot of time with them right now. And it's just been a real joy to be able to spend as much time as we are able to with our, with our girls. Um, I'm still working in healthcare. Uh, I've had a couple of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Um, very grateful to have been promoted a couple of times in the last year and a half. And so, uh, yeah, it's great. And I've got a, uh, a, a lot more visibility to, um, the company and, and a lot, a lot more, uh, uh, responsibility, which is great, but it's also uh, a challenge in terms of managing relationships and, and things like that. So, so that's, that's big for us. Um, other than that, it's really a lot of the same, I guess the, the, the flip side would be, um, I don't, I don't have as much time now to devote to those sort of like interests on the side, politics, right. yeah. music, movies, yeah. Patrick, when you and I lived together, <laughs> you know, I consumed movies and I, I took my, uh, so here, here, okay, this is a, this is like a fun catch up. I took my daughter to her first movie. We went to go see Frozen 2. Oh, fantastic. I forget. Maybe it was back in December or January. And like, I, I get it now. I get the, uh, how parents um, can take such pride in their children. And like, she sat there. She loved the movie. She wants to listen to the soundtrack. She wants to dance to, to Elsa and Anna all the time. And it's because she saw one movie. Is she and into so, the Weezer song that's in that movie too? She, Patrick, <laughs> you particularly will love this. She, she requests, I want to hear the boys. I want to hear the boys sing. And she's not talking about the, the, the song from the movie, but she's talking about the song from the soundtrack and it's definitely Weezer and she thinks it's hilarious. Oh, that's so, so great. <laughs> yeah. She loves it. So no man, we're just, you know, we're a little, we're a family of four staying a family of four for the time being, but we're having a really good time. And, and, uh, we feel very blessed to be living in Nashville, 
great church community still. We we continue to worship at West End Community Church, and nice. um, yeah, man, life is is really wonderful. So, what would be so you know? I we all kind of see and hear you know the memes or the different interviews and sound bites about what it, it is like for parents of young kids during this kind of COVID nineteen crisis. So, I, I guess my question would be. <laughs> For you, who's lit, you're in the trenches of this thing, is what's been the most like surprisingly good thing that has kind of come from this kind of social isolation? We're in this house together all the time. Like, what's been like the most uh, one of the surprisingly good things? And on the flip side, what's been a thing that you didn't anticipate being as hard as it currently is? Sure. So, so the, the most glaringly obvious thing to me is that, so because I work in healthcare and because right now things are incredibly tense and very, very fast moving, uh, we're on a lot of conference calls and we're on a lot of Zoom and WebEx and you name it, conference call system, we're using it. <laughs> um, and people are, they, they are very, very understanding of a completely unexpected predicament and if you're home with young children, it's just harder. It is just harder. But what's great is um, uh, my youngest was playing the other day in our kitchen, and I had my laptop on our little island and was talking to a group in North Carolina. And I had to pick her up because she was fussing. And immediately, two or three of the folks on the call said, um, "That's the that's the best thing I've seen all day." Like, wow. you just you feel free to put her on this conference call anytime you want. <laughs> and I remember, and it, it, it made me feel at first unprofessional, yeah. and it made me feel a little bit um, almost like you know, uh, like naked in front of these people because you're seeing me in this uncomfortable moment where my child is crying, but I need to be present for this call. And they responded so graciously with, "Don't even apologize." I need that. I needed to see a cute little baby right now. I needed to see her smile at the camera and wave or whatever. So that's been one of those things that I, I generally get the feeling that, and this is mostly just for healthcare, although we're doing other you know conference calls with our children's daycare and my wife with her work for Vanderbilt University. Right. Um, so so that's one of those things that, that has been really good. Everybody's very understanding. Uh, uh, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, just so to, to, to finish it, there are so many people who put this particular uh, uh, issue 10, 15, 20, 30 years prior, their lives would have been completely upended. Oh, So yeah. pre-internet, like you couldn't have worked from home. There, it would have been much, much more difficult. The fact that we have this ability today has made all this much easier. It's just created different challenges, but I think they're, I think they're manageable as long as you have a good support system. My wife is been our rock uh, uh, during this time because I'm on the phone a ton during the day. So, sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say that, you know, this is kind of the uh, one of the few times where we, when we go to work, we kind of put on our work self, right? I put on this work professional self that doesn't really bring, you know, not, not typically, I don't really bring family and the the dramas and joys and frustrations of family with me to the office right some people mm -hmm. do that obviously but for the most part people are like that is home life and this is work life and i have these two things separated but then now where you're working and doing home life and it's all together it's like 
I'm going to sometimes have to pick up this crying child because like, that's what needs to happen in this moment. I know we're having this conversation about something that has weight and seriousness, but now this, all of my life is kind of colliding and, and, and mixing together in definitely new ways than it, than it's ever been. Right. Certainly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is that neither of them stop. So right. you have to, you have to be able to manage and marry them together yes. in a way that, that is, um, uh, uh, like respectful to your, to your work, respectful to your family, respectful to the people around you. But what, again, like what I think I'm seeing back from, from people has been this overwhelming sense of understanding that, that, I was never asked to be in your shoes and like, and honey, you're doing fine. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so that would be the, that would be the best thing. I think the most, the most challenging piece has been, um, so, so because of my work as, as a healthcare, uh, um, employee, um, I actually am technically essential. So I could, I can go into my office and work. And I have done that a few times on really, really busy days. And that's been maybe one of the more challenging things is, leaving my wife and children at home. My wife still has her, her day to day with Vanderbilt and these little girls need attention and they need naps and food and all kinds of different things. Right. And so there's a little bit of, I, I, I phrased it to a, a mutual friend of ours earlier this week. It's almost like survivor's guilt. I get a little bit of normalcy if I can go into the office because my, my multiple monitors are there. I can order food and, you know, have somebody bring it and set it outside the door and I can get nine or 10 hours of work. Right. And from yeah. the, let's call it like seven to five or something like that. And it's just a little bit normal. Yeah. And it makes, and I, and I feel a way about it because I know there are so many people that aren't able to, to, to have that sort of escape from whatever's going on. Yeah. Well, what we realize is this, is that there's work energy and there's home energy. And before I got to do the work energy and then I was able to come home and then I have this home energy. And these are two different kind of like energies that I get to put out. But now if I'm working and doing all the home stuff in the same, in the same space, I'm just completely drained because yeah. like I'm, 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 I'm not used to having to do the home thing 24 seven. I'm not used to doing this work thing where it's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I need to etch this out, but now this is blending and, and it's getting messy. And, and I just think that that's, that's one thing that we are still trying to get used to is how we kind of schedule out and even like exist in this in the fact that we have to do both of these things at the same time, be the home yeah. self and be the work self in the same space. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. So there's, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but I, I worked from home for a while and that ended up morphing into work from the local coffee shop because working from home was a real mental exercise because it's hard to separate work from home life. And that's one of the things I think that's affecting a lot of people now is, when do you shut your computer off? Right. And, and, right. The, and the and the answer is I don't know, but you need to. You need to shut your computer off. You need to try to set good boundaries for, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be on at different times during the day, but I'm definitely going to be unavailable at different times during the day, whether it's for lunch or for me to go get some fresh air, and, and sort of, sort of refocus where where you need to be thinking about 
self-care or whatever. And I'm not a big self-care person, but I, but I say that uh, seriously. Right. What I mean is if you don't find a way to make a space in your, in your home, whether it's a corner of your kitchen table or, um, you know, literally just like setting on the other side of the bed to do work, whatever right, it is, right. you have to find a way to separate those things out because that's going to, it's going to help you keep your sanity, but it'll also give you some sort of uh, mental boundaries by which you can organize your day. So I would, I would definitely encourage that. My wife and I, we ordered a desk to show up here that we could stick in our bedroom. Oh yeah. That's um, good. Just so that we could say, you know, from eight to four or whatever, either mommy or daddy will be back here. And we're and like my, my daughters, they're just loving the fact that every time we have to go on a call, like activate Disney plus, but it's, but it's real. <laughs> and so, and so, but it's going to be helpful for us to have that space because once we do, we can stop with computer in the kitchen at lunchtime, right. computer in the, in the living right. room in That's the morning. Right. And so we'll, we'll be able to have a little bit better separation of there's work time, there's family time, there's food time, but it's not going to be so muddy. So that's, it is a real challenge. And I encourage anyone who's listening to sort of, sort of kind of look at your space, however big or small, and try to identify a place where work should live and let everywhere else be not work. Absolutely. So. That's a, that is, that is strong wisdom there. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, here's, what I want to. I want to get your take on is kind of coming back. And, and this has kind of become, I guess the COVID-19 podcast in some ways, <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. Um, they're, I, I, they're, I, all, they're all COVID-19. They're all COVID-19 right and that's okay. <laughs> it would feel, it would feel like we're missing the mark if we didn't come out with our own COVID-19 podcast. But anyway, so here's my question. And I want to, I just want to talk this out for a minute. So I, I, I'm watching Twitter, I'm watching the news, I'm watching Facebook, I'm listening to uh, conversations that people are having on Zoom calls, and all of that, right? And it feels like we've got, there's, there's obviously more camps of folks, right? That are that are gonna, that, I, I'm, that I'm going to describe, but I feel like there's three groups, and I, I'm going to start with three, and I may end up adding more. But three <laughs> okay. that I three that I definitely see is you have one kind of group of folks who are you know, like taking this thing over like very 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 seriously, right? They are very concerned, very worried, very I mean, and stressed. And just like this, this thing has rattled them and they are and and they potentially will be people even after this is over, won't leave their house that much because of just the fear that they have because of this virus. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we have an, the other extreme folks are like, you all are taking the, this is, we are overreacting. This is sure. This is a thing that we should be concerned about, but we are overreacting and we should not be taking these extreme measures across the entire country. Right. And then you have maybe this third group who is like, you know, hands in the air. Like, I don't know. I, I think I want to be cautious and serious, but like, I, I, I feel fine. Should I, can I still like go in, be around folks and like I don't I don't know but I, I'm isolating but and I'm not isolating and so I'm kind of in this middle space right 
And so that's kind of what I've been seeing. And I don't know where you find yourself. You may not be in, in any of those camps, but I'm just curious kind of when you, if you've noticed that too, and kind of what's been your experience in kind of bearing witness to how people, you know, because no matter your race or gender or political, you know, siding or educational background, I think everyone is kind of finding themselves in one of these camps and maybe another camp that's a little mixture of two of the things or something. But I mean, I, sure. I, I'm curious as to your, your take or what you've been seeing. Yeah. So I'm, I have a weird, I have a weird story about this. So, um, for, for folks who, uh, cared about Firefest that was supposed to happen. I don't know how, I don't even remember what it was supposed <laughs> yeah, to happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was a complete disaster. And then they made, you know, Hulu had a documentary and Netflix had a documentary. I think it was Netflix that had the Firefest documentary and the guy on the documentary who, um, sort of, did the detective work to realize it was just this huge fraud. Uh, he and my wall was together. So I started following him on Twitter and back in December around Christmas time, maybe a little bit after he started tweeting about something's going on in China. And so I started following this pretty closely at that point. And it was all about, um, you know, they're shutting factories down. Hospitals are overwhelmed. I'm hearing reports that they're locking people in their homes and all this stuff. So I've, I've been concerned about it. I'm, I'm definitely firmly in camp a, the right. We should be doing more. We should be, you know, isolating more. I, I'm firmly in that camp. Um, and the reason is, um, for me, it's history and that, uh, a hundred years ago or so this, the Spanish flu pandemic kind of swept around the world and it killed a lot of people. Yeah. I think it, I think estimates are anywhere between like 250. I want, man, I think I'm going to get this wrong. Thousand, but maybe it was, maybe it was a million. That doesn't sound right. Anyway, it a, killed a lot, a of, lot people. of people, right? It killed a lot of people and it, and it surprised a lot of people. That was also at a time when air travel wasn't very uh, useful. Uh, we did a lot of travel by boats and like by, by, you know, three cars and things like that. But it, the way our world is structured today is so different the notion of um, like whether it's bioterrorism or just something like something like what we're seeing today is just made more real by the fact that we're also interconnected. And so I, I was following it for a long time. Um, and I was, and, I, and even I was surprised at how we all reacted. I was, yeah. I mean, I should have been able to say, man, look at all these other places that this is sort of hitting before us and look at the measures they're taking, but we'll never go to that length. Yeah. Well, we won't, we won't get there. Um, and, and obviously we have, so I'm in that camp. I think folks that are in the, um, so the, the sort of the second camp you mentioned where it's like, I don't, I don't really agree that it's this serious or whatever. Um, I think, I think those people are loud, but, but few in number. Um, yeah, and I don't good. mean that, I don't mean that, um, uh, condescendingly. I just mean that they make a lot of noise, but I think there are way more people who are happy and content to, uh, to socially distance and to responsibly, uh, uh, alter their lives for the good of everybody around them. And I think that's, it's, it's really good to see. I mean, if, if you do happen to get out and drive around Nashville right now, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
green light fest out there. Oh, you can get yeah. anywhere you want to get in like 10 minutes, which is not the norm. It's here. like old school but Nashville. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like old, old school Nashville. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but there's, but there's something very um, calming about the fact that if I do have to go into the office for any reason, um, it doesn't take me very long to get there. And that means that there's not people out. And so to me, the, 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 the voices of the, um, uh, the doubters are loud, but I just think there's a lot fewer of them than we think. And then that third group, um, I think it's, I think it's, there's, there's probably a pretty good number of people that just don't really know what to think. And I think that's fine because clearly, uh, I mean, it doesn't take much, um, observation and analysis of the way different state governments and local governments have handled this. Nobody really knows what the right answer is. And so we're all doing the best we can with the information we have, uh, generally speaking. And I, I, I wanted to have that caveat because I think there are people <laughs> who have plenty of information and just aren't acting appropriately. Oh, that's another yeah. story. That's, that is another story. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you, yeah, continue. I don't know if you had something else. Well, yeah, so I, so I, th- I think the, the notion that we would be overreacting is, is almost kind of like – it's almost like a uh, troll, like it's almost trolling to sort of stir the pot where it's like, you know what? Um, the people that you love um, that might be at risk for this uh, to affect them in, in a really negative way. I'm just yesterday uh, in Nashville. Um, uh, one of the great songwriters, uh, John Prine passed away from this disease yeah. and I'm, I'm not sure how he got it. He was a, a, a two time cancer survivor. I know his wife had been sick with it as well. Um, you know, Bill Withers recently passed away from this, and it's like you know, if you, if you don't want to lose people, right? Unnecessarily, not not let's make it not about you. Make it about the things you care about. Um, you know, if, if you care about movies, do you really want Martin Scorsese to get sick? No. Or yeah. if you really care about music, do you want you know your favorite musician or your favorite author, whatever it might be? You know, the, the things that you wouldn't want to lose keep those things in mind and, and hope that other people will be doing the same thing. So I, that, that's sort of the way I, I've been handling it. And I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest, Patrick, you and I talked about doing this last week at some point, Yeah, maybe Friday or Saturday evening. And I had to beg off because I, I wasn't in the mental headspace for it because yeah. I'm sitting on conference calls with folks in Detroit and in Chicago and in Cleveland and in New York and things are really bad in some of those places. And so the notion of hopping on a podcast to like, you know, <laughs> wax and eloquently about yeah, COVID, just, it wasn't right. in the cards for me. It wasn't me. the card, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and, and here's the thing too, is that until people, until you get directly affected by it, some people will never, never get it because they just can't put themselves in the shoes of someone else. And that's unfortunate that, they, that, it, takes, that it takes a personal person that you know, someone that you personally know to like have this thing and to get sick from it or to have to battle through it for you to be like, oh, this thing is actually really serious. And it really does matter that you should be staying at home or in social yeah. distancing. Yeah. Well, and we, we, uh, it's actually one of my, my oldest daughter, she came down with a fever, I guess now it's been 20 days ago, took her to the pediatrician and they had tests there. So they gave her one of these tests. It took us 12 days to get a response. And, and the, the mental gymnastics of, does my child have this? Does she not? Do, do, does that mean that my wife and I potentially have it? Does our other child have it? 
who have we interacted with since since you spiked this fever? I mean, like you can you can make yourself crazy. Oh, absolutely. And so so like the best way to keep from going crazy is to not go out and do dumb stuff. And so you know, uh, my wife and I try really really hard to. Uh, you know, only one of us will go to the store for now. It's been me. I'll go to the grocery store or I'll go get the cars filled up with gas or I'll go wherever, but there's, there's no reason for us both to have exposure if we can avoid it. So, I mean, there, there are things that everyone can do. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really big on, so especially for folks and I have a lot of friends who are unmarried or, or, you know, they're living that single life. Uh, and I, interaction is such a big part of their lives yeah. and now it's been ripped away from them yeah. by no, by, by no decision of their own. This isn't a, I'm an introvert and I'm choosing to stay inside. Uh, it's different. I, uh, trying to encourage and support those people, I think is a, is a great way to, to spend time, you know, whether it's on a conference call or text messaging or phone call or whatever. Um, but, but I do think that the, the interesting thing about those three groups is that they are all still battling the same problem, which yeah, is that's right. this unknown. There is, there's a lot of questions that, that remain unanswered and may, may remain unanswered for forever. Um, but, but, uh, this, this is, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna repeat what I said, I think on our first <laughs> podcast together. Yeah. I'm really trying to show a lot of grace to people yeah. because it's nobody is, is handling this perfectly. No one. And so we all need to give each other some grace while we sort of walk through these uncertain times and remember to encourage each other to, you know, sort of love your neighbor in, in the best way you can. And like, that looks like staying home. And it's so, I just, I just think it's so interesting that we're, that a lot of us are just unable to be these gracious beings towards other people, you know, and, and I, I, I mean, I find it challenging from time to time, right? Oh, you know, for sure. And, and you get, and I, and I think at the same time, what I've been trying to encourage people is that it's okay to feel the full range of emotions in mm-hmm. a day, in an hour, in 30 minutes, where you're happy and then you're sad and then you're mad, then you're like just straight up pissed off, then you're, then you're like at peace and you're like, okay, I can yeah. do this, you know, but I, but I think we've got to be able to feel all the emotions that we're feeling, but then at the same time, we've got to find our way back to just being people who are gracious and people who are peaceful. Like that's what's going to help us make it through this thing, not by being people just want to mudsling and that's what i've been noticing too whether it's on social media whether it's on uh television shows it's just like the mud slinging the especially on social media it's like it becomes like the the link off as i've often called it where it's just <laughs> i'm tossing my link at you and i got my link and then i'm gonna write a whole paragraph and then i'm gonna write a whole paragraph and it's like you, you could have Look at this precious energy you're you're using right now. Yeah, that precious yeah. energy could be spent with your child, with your spouse, calling a friend, calling a, 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 a family member. But no, you, whomever you are, male or female, black or white, rich or poor, are spending your time like fighting online. Yeah, which is just it's so interesting that and and granted, we all are guilty of falling into the the rabbit hole of social media. Cause that's what it does. It, it, it sinks you in whether it's that, or even 
the whole TikTok thing. Like people are making TikToks. I'm like, I never would have thought in a million years that you would be doing a TikTok yeah. dance. LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, I think so. So you're, I, I totally agree with you on feel, feel what you feel and feel it like all the way. Um, um, I think the other, the other piece I would say, I, at least what I would add to that would be like an ounce of perspective is really helpful right now. Um, think about the fact that you're stuck at home. It's like, yeah, that's not fun. Are you being asked to stand on the front lines in the hospital and take care of people that may not make it? Like, just, you know, think about those folks right. or, or, um, uh, oh, you're, you're upset because, uh, so like I'll, I'll, t- on my birthday will be this month and I won't get to do a birthday party. Uh, one of my coworkers, she's having to move her wedding because she's supposed to get married in a week and that's not going to happen right yeah. now. At least not the way she wanted. Oh yeah. Not the um, way you want it. Yeah. People. I mean, all these, all, all kinds of kids' birthdays and graduations. There's a lot of stuff that we're missing out on. And there's a lot of people in this country who are not going to get to bury their loved ones the, the way that you would expect to because they can't do this right now. And so I, while, while I'm completely on board with it's, it is completely okay to grieve the loss of your freedom and to grieve the loss of your autonomy and your, your, your ability to go where you want to go and do whatever, I'm a hundred percent with you. All I would say is in that same moment, say a thank you to the people that are out there working really hard, trying to take care of things, uh, the people that are stocking the shelves and doing all that work, uh, and then think about the people who maybe aren't having the best day because somebody they love is no longer here. So there, I think... Hopefully we'll take, we'll do a lot of introspection. Uh, you mentioned social media warriors. I'm very, very guilty of that of late. Oh, um, we all are. Yeah. No one, we all are, but no I, I'll, man, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm guilty. Um, and it's because, and, it, and like some of that comes from my frustration with what's going on in other places. I want to be able to do more for, for cities that are struggling right now. Uh, and when I can't get people on the phone and it's like, why won't you listen to me? I'm trying to help you. It's like, well, I have no idea what they're dealing with. Yeah. Show them some grace, you know, a little bit of uh, just a moment of recognizing that we're all walking through this thing together. And it's almost like uh, it's almost like a really bad haunted house where it's like, if <laughs> yeah. you've never, if you've never been through it and you don't know when it's going to end, you don't know what's around every corner. It's, it's, it can be, it can get to you. And so I think that's kind of where we are right now. And some of the best things we can do are to show grace have a little bit of compassion for people that are out there doing the hard stuff. And then just remember the folks that are, are not just kind of changed, but are very changed right now. Very changed. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Okay. So what I want to, what I want to, we're going to start landing the plane here is I want to ask you kind of what, from where you sit and what you've seen and, and you've, you know, you've got some good, perspectives and some good insights. I'm curious as to what do you think life will or could look like on the other side of this thing? So, so my biggest thing is um, I think, I think one of the bigger changes that we will see is a, uh, a global supply chain reevaluation and that, that being reliant on 
places on the other side of the world for certain things is probably not the best strategy. Maybe it works for, you know, diversifying where things are. Right. But in terms of like, we just, we shouldn't let Taiwan produce all of this one medicine. That's not a really good idea. Things like that. I think a lot of that will change. So I think as a result, prices on some things will go up, but I think we'll, we'll accept it like happily because if it means that, you know, uh, uh, problems with uh, i'm not going to use china let's call it india you know if we had problems <laughs> yeah. with with india right and th- they they were the ones who supplied us with all of these xyz gadgets that we all of a sudden couldn't get and it was going to basically give us the same problem we're going through today we would say well that's ridiculous we should never let this happen so we let it happen this time in terms of supply chain stuff and it sounds like i mean at least from what i understand a lot of businesses are already thinking about ways that can sort of further diversify but really try to avoid having all the things created in one place the the second big thing i think will happen is um i think we're going to see a really big shift in in how we retail um yeah i would be i would be very very concerned if i owned malls in america especially enclosed malls in america for the time being um i would just i I think people are just going to be really leery of walking into the nordstrom and green hills yeah. And in, in six months without a mask on uh, and to stay in there for a long time, I think you'll see lines at the door in the morning and, and, you know, people will walk in and look around and see that the stores got more people in it and they're comfortable with and they'll leave because they just, they just won't know who's in there. Um, I think it would be possible. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, uh, Shocker! I'm really pro business, um, but but I am you. I am, uh, yeah, I know. Let that sink in. I'll, I'll give you a moment to process. So okay. I am, I'm very I'm very confident that. Um, so one of the one of the companies that I work with, they do a lot of cancer research. the The president of that company, when things started shutting down, uh, told everybody to stop what they were doing and go to work on this problem. So I, I feel very confident that there are multiple, I I would say it's probably in the thousands of different businesses, nonprofits, organizations that are trying to work this problem right now. And I think we'll have a solution in in way less than 18 months. I really do. And so, so I think that we will go back to a, a fairly normal way of life within a year. I really do. And I know that sounds like a long time, but what I mean is, um, you know, if somebody coughs behind you, you don't turn and like stare at them and see if they covered their mouth or temperature checks at airports, things like that. I think a lot of that stuff would eventually go away as we get a handle on how we manage this, this disease. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, by June or July, we're still having church from home. And I'd be very surprised if we're doing college football games in the fall, unless something amazing happens in the next two or three months. And I'm not ruling it out. Right. I just I, th- I think those things are are going to be more difficult to sell to the general public than uh, your kids' little league baseball game. Like getting getting in a stadium with a hundred thousand people is one thing. Sitting outside, you know, with thirty or forty parents and you know twenty or thirty kids is a little bit different. And so I think there are just some, there are going to be some things that are easier to swallow that where the 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 risk. Uh, uh, tolerance is a little bit lower or I guess higher, like, well, you know, I know these people and nobody's been sick and so on and so right. forth. 
versus, you know, does anybody really want to fly through Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson right now? Like probably not. Probably not. So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, um, I, I definitely think that no matter what, so let's say, let's, let's be optimistic. And what I'm going to say is optimistic. Some people would say this is still, I'm still, we're still guessing too. We're making it too long. Let's say we're back to gathering, getting people out and about in June. Let's say we're doing it in June, okay? Ooh, okay. I know. I I know. I, for for you and I, that's soon. For some people, they'll think June. I was thinking we we'll be back at it at May. I'm like, friend, we're not. Do- May <laughs> May is gone. You need to you need to get in your mind that May is not gonna be what you think May gonna be like. You're gonna be in the yeah. house in May. So let's say let's just say we're back at June, right? Even even then, even in the the like the now we're back, everybody. It's going to be a slow ramp on. It's not going to be this magic flip, you know, of a switch, and we're all just rushing and able to rush back into all the spaces. I think that they'll they'll rise the social distancing number. So maybe it goes from ten or less to. 50 or less to, you know, maybe it's 20 or less first, then it's 50 or less, then it's 75. You know, I think it's going to be a slow ramp on. So I still think even if we are able to gather in churches and in sporting, I think there's still going to be a limited amount of people that are going to be able to meet in a space. And that's going to be a thing, right? Because, and I think that that's going to be, that's the uncomfortable part is that everyone thinks that it's just going to be a flip of the switch and we're back. We're just back and everything's yeah. just back to normal. And I'm so just like, I was ah, thinking, no. as, you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about um, something as simple as going to a restaurant. Let's use your favorite barbecue place, Edley's, as a great example here. Why are we where, mentioning Edley's uh, on my uh, podcast? I, just, I know, right? <laughs> no free ads. No free um, ads. Edley's, do not like, call me. I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't want you to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's call it Martin's Barbecue, right? Ooh, so, I love Martin's. So when you walk, in, when you walk into Martin's, um, somewhere in there, there's a sign that says no more than X number of people can be in here. That's it's right. It's a fire code, right? That's right. That's right. This is a public health issue. So it's, I mean, like, um, I feel so strongly about the, the folks that are impacted businesses, restaurants, things like that. But there's a real possibility that for a time, those numbers will change and it will be public health uh, conscious where it's like, yeah, you might, maybe you could have had 140 people in here before. But now it can't be more than as many people as you can sit eight feet from each other yeah. as the tables, right? Yeah. And you can't have tables of more than six people. Yeah. And like on and on and on. And, and like that's going to affect the restaurant industry, but at least they'd be able to be back. Right. And at least they, you know, like, so there, I think there are some things like that that will happen. Um, I, you know, again, so you were, you were being, uh, your, your example was optimistic. And I, <laughs> I am, I, again, and I'm not, I'm, I'm completely comfortable saying, I think it's possible. But I just think it's possible if and when some sort of, uh, uh, you know, some sort of solution comes out where it's like, oh, uh, you know, for, I mean, I, you know, whether it's a vaccine or whether it's using, you know, the antibodies from folks who've recovered, whatever it is, you know, if all of a sudden we can ramp up something like that and get it into the public. And, and we start to see that, yeah, infections are still going down and people are remaining healthy and yada, yada, then I think it is possible that you will see, I mean, gosh, can you imagine the appetite for, uh, 
a college football game in August or September oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I, I, you know, listen, like I mentioned, I, I follow golf and I was listening to a, a golf podcast that I was saying, you know, golf is one of these sports that you could actually do something right now because you can be pretty distant on a golf course That's as long true. as you didn't have fans. And I'm like, and I bet they would, the, the numbers that they would do would be insane because yeah. people are just, they're dying for entertainment for anything, that's live for anything. and something and like something they maybe root for a little bit as well. Um, and so I, I think there's a really good chance that as a, even, even a marginal solution, right? So what I'm saying is like, uh, this course of drugs can help you get through it quicker, whatever. Um, you know, and people say, you know what, that's something I'll do. Like I've, I have publicly said, give me the first test vaccine. I'll try it. Like, give it to me because <laughs> whatever we can do, whatever we can do to speed this thing along, I think is better for everyone. Well, and, and, but um, here's, but here, and here's the funny thing about that is that even, even when they finally come up with a vaccine or something, right? Mm-hmm. People, not everybody's going to take it. We sure. know this, which is, which is just, which is just still, it's so hilariously wild. So, but I, I think at that point, so you're going to end up having herd immunities and I mean, there's all, it's all kind of epidemiology stuff and I am not one. I'm not even a doctor. Oh no, we're not, healthcare. we're not doctors. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think if we're talking about, so maybe, maybe what we're talking about is you say, how, what does it look like on the other side? How, how does our life look different on the other side? I think it's going to look different. I think we've already talked about whether it was post nine 11, whether it was, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of all the different things, you know, Post World War Two, post World War One, Great Depression. Like there, all, there's always been moments that sort of realign culture and realign the way we do life together. This is this is no different than those. It will look different. My hope is that it's just it's not that different. My hope is that um, you know uh, maybe maybe we see more people in the U.S. wearing masks if they don't feel well. Like that would be a net positive yeah. post COVID nineteen change, which would be like. Maybe instead of caring about whether or not your face is covered and, and that you look silly, maybe your thought is, man, I don't really want to make anybody else around me sick and I'm going to yeah. wear a mask. Like that would be a, so maybe a little bit of a, uh, a selflessness rather than a selfishness post COVID-19 yeah. would be a really nice net gain for, for our culture um, and, and the way we interact with people. Um, well, well, I for sure think that masks are going to be here to stay. I don't think that we'll move, we'll go back from that. I think people, We'll always, we'll, we'll just going to be, that's just a part of our culture now, I think. And that's interesting. I, I, I just think that some people, they're already germaphobes that are already out there, right? That exist. And this is just, they're, they're now on the other side now. Like they're, they're for sure wearing the gloves and they're wearing the mask. And I think that if anything, the mask thing will start to become a fashion thing. And then there's going to be people coming and it's already happening. Right. Right. And so I, I just think that that's going to be just the thing of the future. I still think you'll have some people who won't wear masks, people who will never wear masks. And then you have people who are just going to be a cash, a, occasional mask wears like you're describing, like I'm not feeling well or it's flu season. So during flu season, I wear a mask, you know? So I think that there, it'll be a seasonal thing, you know, but I, I definitely think that that's the thing that's going to uh, stay. Um, I also think that working for home 
is going to become a real thing oh, for a lot oh, yeah. of people. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to own, I would not want to own commercial property right now. No, oh my gosh. Sir. No, yeah. sir. Because if you're, if you own a business like, and, and you're like, wait a minute, we are still like, everyone is working and we are still like doing the thing that we need to do. And you're all at home. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Why are we not just doing this? You know, and I, and I definitely, I agree that there is, I'm a team dynamic and team building kind of person. I mean, I think that there's that, that'll be that missing piece of working together, being in the same office space together. But I think that some people are going to really push on their employers saying, well, how can I, could we maybe do this working from home thing? You know, half the week or, you know, one, one day a week, two days a week or something like that. Like I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I can get more done and I'm, I'm still productive and I'm still engaged. So I think that that's going to be something that we really see uh, a happen post post COVID-19. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, it's, it's interesting. So, so like for, for your work with the church, you guys have a building. It's a place you congregate. I think there's a, a childcare that's provided yeah. at, at the church during the week. Yeah. So that's that's one example, right? But you know, my my company, we have offices in three different cities between Tennessee, Texas, and California. So a lot of us are technically working remotely anyway, even if we have an office space. But but right now, there are very few people going in, and like we're humming along mostly because like the phone won't stop ringing, but. But really, it's it's been a really interesting study in trusting people to do their work without someone looking over their shoulder, and and giving people the autonomy to arrange their day, right? Which is not something we're very used to in America. So, um, one of the things that I think might actually happen in, in a post nineteen post COVID nineteen era would potentially be like even a rejiggering of what the work week looks like. And what I mean by that is. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not nine to five. Maybe it's like, these are the things that you do. You get them done when they get done. You know, some weeks you'll work 25 hours, some weeks you'll work 60. Just depends on what's on your plate. But, but the idea of like, you know, the, 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 like the picture of like the boss standing over the employees, you know, don't you leave until five o'clock, whatever. I think that's going to go away when you have to, when you just have to believe that people are doing their work. Uh, from wherever they are. And even that is a, a, another great example of like, so if you don't even have to be, if, if you don't have to be at the office, do I need to actually be in this city? And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, could I, could I have a job that pays me a great amount of money that I got in New York city, but I think I want to live in Franklin, Tennessee yeah. and take my New York salary to Franklin. And maybe that's like, that's a much better lifestyle for, for me than living in, in Brooklyn. So there's, I think there's a lot of potential upside for how, how work looks in, in, in this, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic COVID-19 world. Um, the last thing I think I would want to say would be, uh, like, so you, you mentioned gathering, like the way we gather. Um, yeah. So I've heard a lot of people say, um, I, I don't know, like, again, this is going to get into like, too much on the internet, but like if you do any, if you do any reading about like quote unquote super spreaders, it's always something that you and I would probably hold very dear. 
people going to a church service or attending a funeral for a dear family friend and then going to the home and having a dinner with them. And like the things that you do in a world where you are a good friend, a good neighbor, a good son or daughter or whatever. And that's where a lot of these things happened. And so one of the things I've heard repeatedly is we're just going to have to stop shaking hands. And I can't wrap my head around that yet. Like stop embracing, stop hugging. And I'm like, I I just don't, you know, we're from the South. Like that is, that is about, is about drilled into me as yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Like, so, you know, to, to those, those outward displays of affection toward people have, or like, you know, even just a business greeting, like handshake, I just have a hard time seeing those going away. But if this thing stretches on and we find that, you know, transmission rates are, are higher for people who don't do those things, like, or I guess technically they'd be lower for people who don't do those things. Right, right, you know, right, right. Maybe you start to see that go away. But I, but but I'm I'm very interested to see if those sort of um, cultural um, norms change in, in light of this. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And what I was also thinking, and I want to get us to the speed round, is right. you know the 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 funny or, or the great thing about this working from home and being at home is that none of us are in traffic. And traffic is one of the big stressors of everyone's day who is like who it who does work outside of the home is that you have to get in your car and you sit in traffic and you're running late to this meeting. You got to go to this part of town and go to this part of town. And now that that's eliminated now, while we have gathered new stresses, obviously, because we're kind of cooped up in a one particular place that that body stress of like sitting in that car and making it through traffic and getting over and ramping on and finding a parking spot, like all of that's eliminated now. And so like, in some ways we, we have a new kind of peace, but we're also creatures of finding new chaotic things to stress about and to be worried True. about. Like that's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. We traded, we traded one stressor for another. Right. Exactly. So like, and that's like maybe my favorite joke from all of this is uh, I didn't know I'd be giving up so much for Lent. And I, it's very funny to me <laughs> right. because it's like, it's like very much in my, uh, in my wheelhouse, but it's also kind of like, yeah, I didn't, you did, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that giving up going into your office would be like something you were losing, but there is a sense of loss around like losing your norms right. and, and things like that. So yeah. All right. Okay. Speed round. Let's go. Let's go. Give me two or three quotes or whatever that you really love. Yeah. So you, you sent this to me earlier and I I have a quote that's literally still on my Facebook page from when I read this book. Oh man, it's probably been 14 years ago. And so to the people who listen to this podcast that aren't a fan of this person, please know that it's just, it's just the concept (laughs) that I love. Okay. I love this. So the quote is from, the quote is from the book Atlas Shrugged, and the author's uh, <laughs> Ayn Rand. And it's just going to get you're going to get a lot oh. of eye rolls right now. But there's this one quote when I read the book, and I, I love the book for all kinds of reasons. But some of her writing was really interesting. She she did a good job visualizing things that I that I think. So this is the quote. Uh, it's it's um, I like cigarettes, Miss Taggart. I like to think of fire held in a man's hand. Fire, a dangerous force, tamed at his fingertips. I often wonder about the hours when a man sits alone watching the smoke of a cigarette thinking 
I wonder what great things have come from such hours. When a man thinks there's a spot of fire alive in his mind, and it is proper that he should have the burning point of a cigarette as his one expression. And so the reason I like it is I, like, I, I love to think about people who, for, for their, in their work, and their life, whether it is, honestly, it could be whatever, you, you have to do a lot of thinking. And to visualize the, the idea that like somewhere inside your head, there is this like, there's this uh, uh, tsunami of, of activity happening. And like mm. for there to be, and so for some people, it looks like staring off into space right. or tapping their fingers. But I loved the visual of, you know, thinking about a guy sitting in an office or a woman sitting in an office, uh, maybe like Mad Men style with a cigarette lit, just sort of staring at the wall because they're deep in thought about something. And, and you can just see in that moment, it's a little bit different. So I, I like that quote for that reason. Okay. All right. So then my, my that second may be one the is, most That may be the most of that book some people have ever heard. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Don't watch the movies. They are trash. But, um, oh, but man, the, bo- the book great. is interesting to some people. So, so my second quote is, is one that I've actually uh, taken pictures of at different places around the country. Um, it's, a, it's a quote from Ronald Reagan, uh, who... I know that's just, this is shocking everyone who's Man, been listening so to this podcast on right now. It's well, wonderful. You, it's so yeah. wonderful. <laughs> so this is this is again. It's more of a larger concept than this. Yes, but the yes. quote the the quote sort of rings true for me, which is, uh, "Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same." And so the reason I like that is it, it applies to pretty much everything that we do, like. Faith isn't passed to our children through the bloodstream. You know, love isn't passed to our children. We have to model it. We, there are things that we have to model for future generations. And so the idea that um, you know, the, the way we care for people has to be modeled. Otherwise, things would go away. Like, you know, um, it wasn't all that long ago that grandma and grandpa ended up moving in with mom and dad when they got too old. And then now there's nursing homes. And for some people, it's like, well, there have always been nursing homes. And the answer is like, no, there haven't always been nursing homes. But for some, somewhere along the way, that thing changed because we didn't pass down to our children that we need to be responsible for these people you know, in their later years, things like that. So, so I like that one because it's, it's bigger than just freedom. It's about any concept that, that requires um, curation or cultivation, like a garden. Like if you don't cultivate a garden, it will not be a garden anymore. And so we have to cultivate these things for, for our children. So those are the two things that, that I had that, yeah. uh, that I, I, sort of, I sort of go back to uh, frequently to kind of think on. Yeah, those, those are good quotes. And I, 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 I think those, those are really, those really, um, those, are, those are thinkers. And I think that um, the idea of modeling something for this next generation is, that's kind of a big deal right now. And I think that that's one thing that we're, we're, I think a lot of us aren't tuned into enough is what kind of examples are we leaving to our teens, to our children, like in our, in our, in the adults kind of like, like the way in which they approach everything, right? The way they approach work and faith and politics and life and the care for one another, the care for our neighborhoods and our cities. 
I think that the kids are the kids are watching and they're learning from the modeling. And I think that we 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 love to still think that people will listen only to our words and not watch our actions. But the opposite is true. Like people look at your actions and see what you're actually doing. And that speaks way more volumes than the words that you say. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a great that's point. Good. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's some um, couple albums that everyone should listen to. Oh man. So, uh, so I don't get to listen to as much music in my day to day anymore. Sure. Um, but, uh, I, I recently was, was kind of like, maybe I was like cleaning the kitchen or something and I threw on arcade fires, the suburbs, and that Ooh. album still goes. It goes so hard. It's I so love good. that album. It's so good. Start it's to so finish. Good. It's great. And, it's, and what's great is it's a story album. It's not just a, a random right. collection of songs. Right. It's talking about people who grew up in the suburbs and how their life changes and evolves. Anyway, it's, that's, it's one of my favorite albums, and I don't listen to it enough, but uh, it, it's really good. That's a good um, shout. I like that. That's good. Oh man, you know, you know, however, like you'll have a favorite album and you go back to it, and 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 uh, it just it's like it's like because it's been so long, it's almost like you're hearing it again for the first time. That's what it was like. So it's like wearing uh, that. It's like wearing that old shirt, and you're like, yes. oh, this thing still fits. I can still rock this shirt. Hello. <laughs> but yeah, but like, but it's but it's even better because like it's back in style. It's back now, in style. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. Oh, so arcade good. fire, the suburbs, and then um. I, so I don't. I, I think I was talking about this with you, and it made me listen to the album. Where was it you that I was talking about Postal Service with? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. But so, Postal Service, so yes. We're um, I, honestly, I can't remember if it was you or not. But the idea being like, this is the perfect time for another Postal Service album. Why oh, yeah, are we not was. getting a Postal Service was, album? Yeah. <laughs> so 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 I put that on the other day, and it threw me back. You know, I don't know those those. Those years post college for me were like very formative, uh, and that album played a little bit of a role in that. So uh, I throw that out there as well. Okay, a couple books people should read if if they haven't. Well, read I mean, them. so yeah, I mean, Atlas Shrugged for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to think, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say like if you don't have a copy of like the message or, you know, a, a, a different version of the Bible. That's a little bit more reader friendly. I would do it. Um, we've been going through, um, uh, a version of the Bible called the story at our church oh, and they yeah, have, they have a version for our, our little kids as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it to like preach, preach from, right. If I right. were a preacher, sure. but it's just, it's a good way to sort of walk through the story of the Bible. So that's something I would recommend. Um, for the for the people out there looking for a book to read, that yeah, these might are quarantine be, times. They need a good book. Yeah, man. Well, and that's the thing. So, I mean, I would, I would, I, I'm, I'm notoriously not a uh, a fiction reader. I'm very much a nonfiction reader. My, I have a really, really bad take on books, which is that if it's not real, I don't really care. Like, if it's not <laughs> something that I can like, that's going to help me out, I don't really care very much. Um, so that is quite the hot take. Some people, oh, the, that would be the thing people come at you. For. <laughs> I hope, tweet at me at West Heartline. Tell me why my takes are terrible. Uh, no, it's so like for me, I read a lot of books about healthcare. I read a lot of books about economics. 
So um, one of my favorite books is a book called Seeing What Others Don't. Uh, and it talks oh, about okay. how you build the skill for sort of looking inside the box about it or training yourself to um, uh, look at a situation and identify what people are missing. Um, so it's a book by a guy named Gary Klein. It came out a, a long time ago. But there's some really, really great anecdotal stories in there about you know, things that people saw and that they responded to and they couldn't explain why in the moment. And it's, it's really interesting uh, in terms of how we make decisions quickly, things like that. So okay. those, are, those would be my books. Cool. Okay, and last question is, if you had to leave Nashville, what are going to be your must-go-to places before you have to leave town forever? Yeah, so you've done this with quite a few people. Yeah. And, uh, it's tough, man. Um, so if, I, if you know, it feels like one of those really bad New York times, like, oh, go do a weekend in Nashville college. <laughs> and like, and you're going to do 94 things. Like, yeah, oh, man. Like, if you're going to do, if I've got a Saturday in Nashville before I fly out to my new city, wherever that is, uh, I'm probably getting up and going to Loveless, trying to get over there early. Yes. Get some biscuits. Uh, maybe hang out around that way a little bit. Just go driving some back roads and sort of getting to see parts of Tennessee that most people don't get to see, especially even in, in Davidson County. Uh, definitely going to grab uh, uh, some sandwiches. I say sandwiches, plural, because I mean it. Either from like the food company or from, oh, what's the sandwich place over there on the east side? Mitchell's. Mitchell Deli, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm probably grabbing like three sandwiches, like three of the faves, <laughs> and just like snacking on those. I'm not probably not going to finish them, but I'm just going to get a little flavor of everything. Uh, and then probably grabbing some Martins for dinner, or maybe uh, a husk dinner. Ooh. And then sitting around a fire with friends that that night, drinking Manhattans or or you know some bourbon drinks and. Uh, Talking about the good times. That's how I'd want to spend my, my last day in Nashville. Fantastic. All right, hey, friend. Thanks for coming on. Of course. I love you, dude. And you uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're uh, uh, socially isolating well. And uh, to the folks that are listening, if you need if you need to talk to somebody or you just, you're just you looking for some support, please feel free to reach out. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you can look at my cute little girls and talk to them. They'll think you're fun. <laughs> That's great. So, Thanks, Wes. We'll see you. All right, Patrick. Talk soon. Peace.